0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Alvin Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. The next hour is devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax, but about how, what and why we believe as we do. A time for those willing to question what they think they know or what they may believe. Those willing to be uncertain for an hour. I'm Eldon Taylor and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open and my partner, Ravinder, awaits you there now. She's got double duty today. So you can log on by going to ProvocativeEnlightenment.com forward slash chat. Now, Ravinder, you have to pay attention today. You can't get too involved in the chat room. You do understand (laughs) that. So tell us all about your chat room.
1: Yeah, you are having me do double duty today, but... I've had some practice at this so I will be in the chat room and on the air simultaneously perhaps. The chat room is a wonderful group of people um, all contributing and adding different elements and different dimensions to the conversation. I always learn a bunch and I have a laugh in there too, sometimes a little bit too much because I do get distracted when Eldon is on the air but oh well it's all good fun. Come join us. That is ProvocativeEnlightenment.com forward slash chat.
0: All right. In this week's spotlight, I want to pause for a moment and reflect on the importance of relationships. That happens to be what our show is about. But in a recent newsletter, Ravinder reminded me of something I wrote many years ago as a result of a dream. The next morning, I wrote the dream down and ultimately it became The Little Black Book, something we sell for a mighty $2 just to get the message out. The bottom line, something I have referred to as the three R's, and not for reading, writing, and arithmetic. No, my three R's can be said this way. Reality is relative to relationships. Think about it this way. When you leave this corporal life, we will not take our trophies, diplomas, possessions, and so forth. What we will take is our experiences, and especially those with other beings in other words our relationships are the one thing that will survive assuming we survive at all and i do make that assumption i remember watching tom hanks as chuck the fedex driver struggle over the loss of his soccer ball in the film castaway stranded on an island no companionship no one to talk to not another human being to even watch authentically portrayed what life alone could be like The screenwriter, William Broyles Jr., spent several days alone in Mexico's Sea of Cortez, trying to fend for himself. He speared and ate stingrays, learned how to open a coconut, befriended a washed-up Wilson brand volleyball, and tried to make fire, which ended up in the movie. His experiences led to an epiphany regarding the Chuck character. Quoting him, That's when I realized it wasn't just a physical challenge. It was going to be an emotional, spiritual one as well. Just try to imagine without another human being in your life. What would your world be like? What would you desire most? Just asking yourself a few questions of this nature quickly leads to the appreciation we have and should have for others. Life is full of challenges and often these challenges come down to other people. Difficult people with antagonistic ideas are not difficult to find in today's world. Sometimes they are our relatives, our neighbors, someone in the workplace or in our schools and sometimes they are relatively unknown characters that we friend in social media platforms or watch on some television broadcast. But wherever we find them, there doesn't seem to be a shortage nowadays. But does that mean that we should look at people under that light? The light of antagonism? Or could it be, just maybe, that we have lost sight of how important others are? I read a definition of humility last week that impressed me. In the words of Rick Warren, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. That reminded me of something said by James Faust, and I quote, A grateful heart is a beginning of greatness. It is an expression of humility. It is a foundation for the development of such virtues as prayer, faith, courage, contentment, happiness, love, and well-being. Close quote. I would encourage you to think back to that great film Castaway and how grateful Chuck was to have other people. Think about my three R's and then set your own intention for positive interactions with all. Add the gratitude for others into your life with a humility that comes from recognizing that it is only your relationships that will leave this earth plane when you do and only your relationships that will therefore to find your success in life. A gentle, forgiving heart with a mindful sense of humility will reward you, not just in the here and now, but on the other side as well. The peace, balance, and harmony we all seek in this world begins with a single act, a single person, a single intention to be what we want the world to be. My thoughts anyway, what are yours, Ravinder?
1: I really like that, Lila last line you know what we want the world to be I think that pretty much sums it up you want um, good relationships out there you have to be a part of making the relationships making the relationships good and I think especially today I mean we're coming off the back of Valentine's Day um, but you just look at what's going on in the world out there in general um, you know, we are herd animals. Life is a lot better when we do stuff together. Absolutely. So thinking it, about those relationships and doing your best and being your part of the creative force in making it better, I think that's what, it, that's what, I, what I like the most about it.
0: You, you know, we live at a time, I think, that is particularly challenging in some ways because it's so easy to look out there at people. You know, whether they're in politics or, um, you know, they're those perpetrators of heinous acts and to be hateful toward them. It's very difficult, I think, nowadays especially, but it probably always has been, to try and see the good in everyone. But therein lies our challenge, you know, and, and that's not to say that we should, you know, remain in some abusive relationship or condone behavior that is unacceptable. But it is to say that we probably need to be just a little more mellow in how we view uh, other people.
1: Absolutely. all we'll will be part of the solution instead of exacerbating the problems.
0: All right, every week I read some of your letters as our way of involving you while paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week our show featured Dr. Norman Shealy and we discussed his work with the use of Adrenal Scalar and Pulse DMF Gamma in health. Joshua wrote, I had to listen to the show again in the archives and then Google some of the terms before I could understand what you guys were talking about. But when I did, it all made sense. You know, I'm, I'm sorry about that, Joshua. <clears throat> Ravinder actually reminded me that I should have tied some things together, like EMF and the danger it uh, is known to cause in, in our cell phones, you know, and therefore the difference between what a pulsed EMF is and, and what, you know, EMF leakage is. Uh, so, again, I apologize, Uh I think if I'd have done that, the notion of Pulse TMF may have had more sense, and we could have done that with about everything. Would you like to add anything to that, Ravinder?
1: That was a show that um, exercised my uh, brain cells, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But you've had Norm Shealy on the show a number of times before. I am a great believer in his work. Um, So, yeah, I've been checking it out, Absolutely.
0: All right, CB commented, there are people who believe that scalar waves were used on the Twin Towers. I doubt that, CB. Considering Tesla's research disappearing, I could imagine if it was working that some agency has continued to research it. If that research has been towards weaponizing, I can imagine there is a lot vested in zero point anything not falling into mass awareness. I always find Dr. Sheely interesting to listen to, just affording his solutions is my challenge moving on belinda wrote i love your spotlights you should publish them so we can quote you accurately well thank you belinda and we do publish them on my blog and all of you can receive it free just go to eldon forward slash blog sean wrote i began using the intertalk serenity cd and found it to be a powerful tool if you are not programming your mind then someone else is. Thank you so much for your work. You're absolutely right about that, Sean. In this day and age, if you're not doing it, somebody else is, and it's not for your, uh, well, it's not for altruistic reasons. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Jorge wrote, thank you very much for the great technology that you provide. And Chance wrote, I love your intertalk products. They are actually making a change in the way I talk to myself. There is a lot of undoing to do, and inner talk is doing the work for me. Okay, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but we do love your comments, so please keep them coming. You can opine by writing to me at Eldon, that's E-L-D-O-N, I'll get that out, at EldonTaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook at Dr. Eldon Taylor. We do sincerely appreciate your thoughts and ideas, so please keep them coming. Now to today's show, discovering the keys to a great relationship. Ravinder and I have been repeatedly asked to do a show on relationships. We began our own almost 30 years ago. Like most relationships, the beginning was magical, but soon real life caught up to us, and we had our own struggle keeping things together. So what do we learn? What does the research say? How do you get past those difficult periods? Or are there, in fact, uh, you know, something that can be avoided? Do we all have to go through them? How do our expectations influence our success? What about reconciling broad differences? I mean, how important is it to have a common background, cultural influence, religious upbringing, and so forth? Do you know this is the right person? And if so, how? How do you attract that right person? Do you have a soulmate? I mean, what is a soulmate? Well, these are but a few of the questions we'll take on today. So, Ravinder, let's begin with yesterday, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day causes many people to turn their attention in the direction of relationships. You and I have discussed relationships many times ranging from what we see as the serial soulmate stuff to some of the crazy expectations people have regarding enduring relationships. So let's begin there. What are some of the expectations that can lead to a failing relationship?
1: Oh, this is probably one of my pet peeves, I suppose, Um, to do with expectations and relationships. Time and time again, I see relationships falling apart not because there's anything wrong with a relationship, but because one or the other person or both of them, you know, just have weird expectations. So um, to give you some examples of what I am thinking about, you know, you can get, obviously, you know, I talk about this from a female perspective because I happen to be a woman and my friends, I've got lots of female friends. And so often you hear about, you know, oh, our husbands do this, our husbands do that, men, you can't rely on them for anything, da-da-da-da-da. You know, you, you watch the commercials on TV. They can really wind me up where you have, you know, the couple standing together and the woman implies that her husband is stupid. You know, there are those caricatures um, that can seem funny on the surface, but I think they're dangerous. I think they are really dangerous when it comes to relationships because they get into your psyche and then they influence you. So, you know, you've been out watching that kind of TV or out talking to your friends and then you come home and then you start expecting your partner to behave in certain ways. And, you know, the common thing today, you know, that lots of females are asking men to do is bring out your feminine side. Be, you know, be creative, be more loving, be more this. But then they want a strong shoulder to cry on, you know, a strong man to support them. So they're asking for contradictory things. And I think that can, that is one example of, you know, the kinds of expectations they have. And I'm very aware that it goes the other way around, too, you know. Um, I think the most important thing you can do in a relationship is to accept your partner for who he is
0: or she or she
1: obviously i'm a woman what can i say <laughs> yeah I, you,
0: you know i i do think there is um an opportunity for men to be just a little more i don't like the word feminine obviously <laughs> but uh a little more sensitive to that side uh of their lives uh you know i can remember you wanting to watch these girly flicks and there's a natural resistance. But, you know, I would sit down with you and, hey, they were good movies. You know, again, we we have this rigid set of expectations about, you know, who we are and how we're supposed to behave. And then when we bring them together in a relationship, we're not adapting ourselves to the relationship. We We tend to want to be rigid about who we are and... Sooner or later, that that romance kind of wears off and, you know, you're into the tedium of everyday life. And uh, if you're not actively trying to do something, and we'll talk about that in a while, but if you're not actively trying to do something to keep the romance there pretty quick, it's just gone. And then you have two people doing two different things, uh, living their own way feeling lonely again because they're not relating, um, fighting over silly things, and, you know, the expectation that um, everything is roses and that there will be no difficulties, there will be no struggles, Yep. Uh, that you'll be forever beautiful or forever thin or or whatever those, you know, you, you'll be... You know, just as sexually attractive to me twenty years from now as you were day one, uh, they they can wear really thin if if we're not actively doing something to cultivate that in our relationship.
1: You know, your example of films. You know, there's two parts of it that I want to cover. There, the example about films I think is a really good example because, as you said, you became more open to watching chick flicks. But on the other side of it, you know, I'm respectful of what it is that you want. So, I mean, there are degrees of chick flicks, you know. So I, I do not go all the way to the, to the one extreme, you know. I look at it from if you have a s- s- scale going from one to ten and a five is right in the center and the one is the extreme chick flick and the ten is the extreme guy flick, Um, I try to keep it pretty centered, but I think what both of us do is we will take turns indulging each other. So we don't go to the extremes because I think that becomes disrespectful, but you know, you start shuffling it down to a three or I start shuffling it up to an eight, um, caring about the other person helps a lot and so that brings me to the very next thing I was gonna say I heard someone say you know relationships isn't about everyone giving 50/50 it's about both people giving a hundred percent and I would go further than that I would say if you know if both people give a hundred and ten um, that's when the magic happens and what I will definitely tell people that if you make an effort at your relationship then it gets better. You know, you often hear about the, the very, the first blush of romance and, you know, being swept off your feet. And maybe the guy just finds the woman so incredibly irresistible. And to the woman, the guy's a knight in shining armor or just whatever it is that is her, is her favorite. But those things fade. Um, what makes a relationship stronger is getting beyond that point. When you work beyond that and you carry on with each other and then life experience and time adds to it, and those experiences that you may experience like you know a flood in the house or some power outage and we've had some of those um, they actually end up adding to the charm of it they become part of the humor they become part of the things that bond you together:
0: things you, you know. did and overcame together you're absolutely right absolutely. But, you. Know. When you say that, I'm reminded one of my, as you know, four corner principles of a better life is self-responsibility. And I define self-responsibility a little different than many Mm -hmm. people in the sense that whatever you can do in any situation that is a bad situation to make the situation better, you're responsible for. Mm -hmm. And you know, we both have our own stories about how we cope with some bad stuff. Uh, but for me, it was always about, okay, look, I'm the common denominator. How can I make this better? How can I make this better? That was always what was in my mind uh, in terms of how, you know, you, you improve a relationship. But then that gives rise to you must desire that relationship. You must know going in, it's going to be work, and you must truly desire to make it work. I think a lot of people have these false expectations, and because of that, the desire doesn't exist. Um, and, you know, there you go. you you Your relationship crumbles as a result. But let's move on. We've seen more than one person boast they found their perfect partner, their soulmate. In a relatively short time, things didn't quite work out between the soulmates, and they separated or divorced. A few months later, and lo and behold, they found a new true soulmate. What is it about this idea of twin flames and soulmates that's all wrong, Rivender?
1: All of it. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much so. And it's got this idealized way of, you know, when you're with your twin flame, your soulmate, Things are hunky dory for forevermore. You live on clouds with roses and chocolates raining down upon you, and you know, full of passion and perfection. And r- real life isn't like that. It's dirty and messy, and you know, your partner may have a problem after he eats beans, or she may have a problem. You know, these that that's that's real life. Um, so no, the whole idea of twin flames and soulmates, I think, is creating the problem today with why relationships fall apart. So
0: the confusion, if, if I can restate what you're saying, and you correct me if, if I misunderstood, but the confusion comes because here's my soulmate, everything is perfect, we're, we're just, you know, two peas in a pod, there's never going to be any difficulty, this is just going to be magical from now to the end of, well, there is no end. And it is that expectation that gives rise to the failure of these so-called soulmate relationships.
1: Absolutely. The fact is all relationships take work. Um, You know, and I would even go further than that. Um, I think quite honestly, there are lots of people out there that could be a perfect partner. What makes a perfect relationship is your commitment to that relationship. Um, you know, my background is such, you know, I was born in India. As I was growing up, arranged marriages were very much the norm. And it, I fully expected to have one. So it's not like it's a bad thing. Um, but that's put me in a, an interesting place because I, I can see, see both sides of that spectrum. And I can tell you today that arranged marriages have the same amount of chance of having a, you know, a perfect l- love marriage as well. It all comes down to the work that you put into it. Um, you know, with an arranged marriage, they've been chosen when it's done correctly, and it's not always done correctly, trust me there. Uh, but when it's done correctly, there's a great deal of thought put into compatibility. So you're already, you know, you have two compatible people together and then they, you've got the community the sense of community that comes with it and then you get an expectation there isn't an expectation that it's going to be hunky-dory for forever so in an arranged marriage they start working on the marriage right away they right. work to make it better what are you laughing at well that's
0: where i'm going to go next you know i'm going to ask you about how important is compatibility simply because look you come from a background that is entirely different than mine. You have yep. a different religious upbringing than I had. Um, you're from a different culture than I am. Uh, your family is basically, forgive me, but racist because I'm white. <laughs> they, they want anything to do with me. Not uh, all at least of your them. mother and, and, and well, a large part. And you know this, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but we've discussed this before. Uh, th- you know you're forgive me again but if you could be you are a pacifist you you are loving you give everybody the benefit of the doubt i come from a law enforcement background where i might be a little paranoid in your words sometimes uh where i'm always looking at where you know uh, violence has been a part of my background my life the way we react to things is different uh So when we get back from the break, I'm going to ask you just how important is this quote-unquote compatibility? We're speaking about lasting relationships. Now, we have a cute little video for you in our chat room posing the question, single versus relationships on Valentine's Day. So if you're not in the chat room already, now's the time to get on over there. And you can do that again by going to ProvocativeEnlightenment.com forward slash chat. Okay, do please do Please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. Change has never been easier. Whether you wish to lose weight, stop smoking, build better relationships, become creative, enjoy ultra-prosperity, or simply relax and promote self-healing, talk has been repeatedly demonstrated effective in the most rigorous of scientific studies. Our customers love InnerTalk. Sean wrote, I have struggled with bulimia for over 30 years and have never been able to lose weight without restoring to it until I used InnerTalk. Vicki wrote, My hubby has been using the Stop Snoring CD and already his dangerous and raucous snoring levels have stopped. Celeste wrote, I recently graduated from Taft Law School with honors. I'm writing to tell you how much your InnerTalk CD, Excel in Exams, has helped me. With over 300 titles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Check it out today by going to innertalk.com.
0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Alvin Taylor. love story that is older than the sea The simple truth about the love she brings to me Where do I start
1: With her first love She gave a meaning to this empty
0: There'd never be another love, another time She came into my life and made the living fine She fills my heart She fills my heart With very special things With angel songs with wild imaginings, she fills my soul with so much love that anywhere I go, I'm never lonely with her love. Who could be lonely? I'm Welcome back. If you just join us, we're chatting about the nature of relationships. Now we chose as our bumper music today, Andy Williams performing the original theme from the movie Love Story. So, Ravinder, how long does love last, and if it's indeed true love, does it ever truly die even if you're no longer with a person that you loved?
1: No, it lasts but forever. I mean, you, you come back to reality is relative to relationships and your love relationships. Um... Yeah, no, they
0: stay for forever. So what is it, do you think, that gives rise to two people that are in love and they share lots of good years together? Then they divorce and suddenly they have nothing but animosity for each other. Is that a compensation mechanism in your view or, you know, an expectation, a societal expectation, um, a justification? Or were they ever really in love to begin with?
1: You know, that's a complicated one. Um, I decided a long time ago, when I was just a kid actually, um, that love is about what you give, not what you get. So, so the example that you're talking about, you know, you can have a couple, and I've certainly heard of these, where one of them uh, betrays the other. You know. So then the one who's been betrayed, well, um it can be tempting for that person to get angry and whatever.
0: Or a lot more.
1: Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. Um for me, I've always had in the back of my mind, love is about what you give. It's not about what the other person has done. Perhaps if they've you know, if they've betrayed you you can look at it as a weakness of theirs. You know, they have their challenges. I don't know. It's it's complicated. It's really sad. I would rather um, keep to the side of, you know.
0: For me, it's all of the above. You know, it is a justification. It is a, an anger, nasty getting even response. It, it, it is a compensation technique. It is a socially expected um, People don't typically get divorces and then say, well, I loved them, you know, Uh, and we had a lot of good years. And, you know, I guess we just grew apart or, hey, I messed up or I don't blame them or those that that kind of thing. That's just not the norm. That's not Uh not the expectation that's portrayed in the movies. But I agree with you. If you sincerely love someone, the love doesn't go away, doesn't die. Uh it, it remains. Okay, I said, before we went to break, how important is compatibility?
1: <laughs> You've got that look on your face. You know, you're right. You and I come from totally different backgrounds. I was born in India, brought up in England. My upbringing was very Indian in England. Um, and then I meet you. Actually, you know, my first visit to the United States, coming over to see you, I flew into Las Vegas, you know, of all the places. Um, yeah, I had friends who thought I'd lost my mind. Uh, you know, because when you look at the basic compatibility stuff, they're not there. But what they missed was our compatibility in the issues that matter to us. You know, our desire to look beyond societal norms, um, to become better people to understand um, how people work, to explore the spiritual questions, those things you and I are right on, you know. So when it comes to the important thing, the fact is you're not going to be compatible on everything. So if you say, well, you have to be compatible Um, In order to have a relationship, well, I think that's why lots of relationships fall apart because, you know, you can take 10 different characteristics. Maybe you're compatible on five and you're not compatible on the other five. Well, at the beginning of the relationship, you focus on the five areas that you are compatible with, and then as the relationship deteriorates, you only focus on the other. You don't look at... As it
0: deteriorates? For some people... Oh, okay, well, you mean as the relationship continues, then you begin to advance by dealing with the other five, or you're saying can, that could be if the if cause people of the problem? Turn themselves yes. toward those differences, and they focus on that then they can deteriorate they begin to think about well she squeezes a toothpaste in the middle of the tube (laughs) or something i just picked that out because it's a crazy (laughs) what everybody talks about
1: I know that one's so dumb to me but oh well um yeah i think you know it's being it's finding the the issues that are most important to you you don't look at all of them you just look at the ones that are important
0: and, and, then, and then, that's
1: what you focus on and build on.
0: You and I to this day, almost 30 years later, still have issues that we could, if we wanted to bring them up, get really excited about disagreeing with each other on. Absolutely. But there, there is a point where you realize that the person that you're with has a right to be who they are. Yes. Has a right to believe what they believe. And you have that same right. And that that should not tear a relationship apart. It's just a disagreement.
1: You agree to disagree on the stuff that, you know, yeah, isn't life or death or isn't, you know, your most burning passion.
0: Absolutely. Okay, moving on. There's a best-selling book out there called The Secret. And it informs us that the law of attraction will bring us the perfect person if we but use it by focusing on love and visualizing the right person what are your thoughts on this and is there some way we can visualize the so-called right person in advance of meeting them
1: i'm sorry i think that's baloney too uh yeah Dora. i mean if anything you're going to create a problem if you create a board of your ideal partner you know, I've, I've heard people do this kind of stuff. Well, he has to be this height, he has to be kind, he has to be loving, he has to be, he has to be, he has to be, he has, to be he has to be, you know, you're not going to find him because that person isn't real. Um, as I said earlier on today, you know, there are lots of people out there who could be compatible for you. The idea is to I mean, I would say the important thing is to express your authentic self, do you have to be true to yourself. So for example, you know, especially when people are younger, they think, Oh, I have to get out there in order to meet a partner. So I'm going to go to the bar, I'm going to go to a nightclub, I'm going to go to you know, and perhaps they hate going to those places, you know, you're not going to meet the right person. I always tell people. What is it that you enjoy? If you enjoy books, well, obviously you can't just sit at home and read a book and hope to find Mr. or Mrs. Wright. But you could join a book club. You know that would be consistent with what it is that you like. You know, if you like dancing, well, go out to a dance group, go out to dance classes, do something like that. Do what you enjoy doing. Focus on that. Don't betray yourself and start trying to fit in with what. Well, other people won't.
0: Okay, but that gives rise to a point that came up in the chat room during the break. <clears throat> Two people get together and somebody says, you know, you have no right to change me. You've just you've just entered a relationship. I think by definition, this is my view. By definition, you have accepted that you are going to change. Now, not Totally. But you, if you go into it hard and rigid, you can't change me, how long do you think that relationship's going to last?
1: I think there's kind of two part, two sides to that, though. There is the controlling, you know, one person wants to change the other to fit their image, in which case those two people shouldn't be together anyway. Um, but there, I mean, there is the other side of it. I look at our relationship, and I think of it more, not as one trying to change the other, but we're both helping each other grow in the way that we have said that we want to grow. So, you know, there are times I can point something out to you, it's like, are you aware that, you know, you do this, and it gets taken that? Is that really what you want to do? If that's what you want to do, so that's fine, go for it. mate. Um, But so yeah, I think that amount is is kind of the right balance
0: i don't disagree with that i i i guess where i get is i think we have hard and fast expectations that it is the expectation that undermines a relationship if i'm hard and fast you have no right to change me that will undermine a relationship as much as saying oh, I'll be anything you want me to be, Yep, will undermine a relationship. Because sooner yeah. or later, you're going to begrudge that, and and it's going to come back up. I, again, relationships are about flexibility. They're not a tug-of-war. They're pulled together. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you said that very well. Okay, look, I want to give some, you know, get, get to some points that research has demonstrated or critically important. And and I want you to comment on these as we kind of go along. Conflict is natural to a relationship, period, end of quotation. We have to expect that going in. That's all there is to it. The intensity of the conflict is up to us. We're the ones that choose how we're going to, you know, vent that bad day at the office or that person that cut us off in traffic, and we have all this angst in our system, and we come home and we dump it on a loved one, a child or our spouse, okay? So when conflict arises, the data says that we should first look at the conflict in terms of are we tired, we low estrogen, low sugar levels, and so forth. Is that what's underlying the nature of our conflict? Is that what's driving it? Is there some other trigger than the other person? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, you have to be pretty rational to be doing that. I think that's right on. Um, you know, and I I think I try to, you know, think about that kind of stuff when I'm, you know, there are times I'm having a bad day. And, no. and I can tell you. you <laughs> enough. Behave. <laughs> Um, No, but, you know, there are times I can be shorter with you than I want. And there have frequently been times I have turned around to you immediately and said, I'm just in a bad mood, you know, ignore me um, because I'm aware of that. So I try to temper that. Um, You can temper it to a certain degree. Some things are going to get out of control. And then it comes down to, well, if your partner is behaving in that way, Give them the benefit of the doubt too. Perhaps they're having a bad day. Perhaps there's there's something going on. So so there is two parts of that. You know, you want to try to temper yourself, um, understand that you won't always, and then you know when your partner explodes at you understand it's one snippet it's not the whole relationship it is it's one moment in time and it doesn't take away from the entire history that you have or all the other bits that you know it's just one little thing so big deal and let it go
0: see and there I think you 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 touched on something that's critical to all relationships and that's the importance of communication if I have an open line of communication if I can be who I truly am with you I can say what I feel and I you know I'm not afraid that somehow you're going to divorce me or run away from me or something I I can then say to you I'm having a horrible day and I you know I just want you to know that so if I snap at you hey forgive me you can get this stuff kind of uh, what should I say framed in a way that it is less damaging, but you have to be able to communicate. How important is, is communication?
1: I would say that's pretty vital being able to talk that's I think that's the best bit about the relationship you and I have we talk about pretty much everything how many conversations have I had with you it's like can I confess something to you you know and I'm just telling you some deep dark secret of my some thought I may have had you know but being able to talk about it um is very bonding it makes it it makes it a whole lot better this is part
0: of the problem then, as I see it with relationships, is in the early development of the relationship, again, we're coming back to this expectation, I have to be this perfect whatever persona. And so maybe I hide a lot of things, you know, and then I have to live that lie in my relationship it's really hard, you know, to come back and say, you know, that's not who I really was or, you know, that's not really what happened. or, uh, So going in at the beginning, I think we have to say to ourselves, if I'm going to have an enduring relationship, I'm not a salesman here to sham someone into believing I'm something I'm not. If they love me for who I am, then we can build a relationship. If I'm concealing who I am, then I can't expect that this relationship is really going to be a real relationship. Does that make sense?
1: You know, it does, but I see a downside to it. Do. I absolutely do see a downside. And so you hear those stories where one person is so inflexible about, this is who I am, take me as you do, you know, that they can destroy a relationship uh, yeah, too, and, and so. I'm glad
0: you brought that up because that's not what I meant. What I meant is you know <clears throat> one of the comments in the chat room was uh, um, a, a couple a woman who uh, wore contacts throughout her uh, early relationship uh, with a fellow and, and then the two get together and then he discovers she wears glasses and he, he suddenly you know finds it That's a deception. You know, uh, we have lots of things that for beauty reasons, for, uh, hey, look, I can remember a fellow that worked for me came to my door early in the morning, one morning, knocked on the door, got me straight out of bed. There was an emergency situation. I went to the door, opened the door. I'd known him for a long time, and he said, he just paused, and he said, my God, you're ugly in the morning. (laughs) You, you know, it's that side of ourselves that we have to be willing to expose and, and instead of pretending. You do. Because okay.
1: otherwise you can't ever be comfortable at home because you're always hiding. You're always in fear. You're always... And oftentimes those things that you're hiding do not matter. And if they did matter, well, then you shouldn't be together anyway. So, That's no, right. you, ha- you have to be able to relax your home. I'm a strong believer in the old English phrase, you know, an Englishman's home is his castle. Well, it's not just an Englishman's, but a home is a castle, a place of safety, a place of it has to be that way.
0: Okay, let's move along. Getting back or coming back to... This idea of conflict, the data says the problem with conflict is people often start dredging up all kinds of collateral things. You know, instead of sticking to an issue at hand, uh, you know, men would say women never forget (laughs) whatever transgression and it'll come out in these. So the data says if you're going to have a conflict, if there's a disagreement, stick to the issue at hand. How important is that?
1: I think that's really important. Um, Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) Women never forget. Um, I think there's been some examples where you've certainly remembered some stuff that I'd forgotten too. Um, It happens. um, And I think that is part of the maturing part of the relationship. Once again, it's to remember the history of all the good that you have without just cherry-picking the bad from the past and bringing that all in. So, yeah, that's, that's great advice. You want to stick to what this one issue is and leave the rest of it out there. Okay.
0: Still staying with conflict. The data also says, look, you have a disagreement. You don't begin attacking the other person. You, you. Instead, you make this first person. I feel. I think whenever you have these disagreements and i I'm hurt I, that hurts me I feel like you you are avoiding me uh what are your thoughts on that
1: I think that's great advice um I think once again that can go both ways as well because it is possible to say, oh, that really hurt me, and for the other person to still take that as an attack. And I've, I've heard of those examples too. Um, Less likely, though. So You
0: it, as an accusatory, the minute I say, oh,
1: it's definitely, you did this. No, no, no. You're, I mean, no, you're totally correct. You do not want to do the blame stuff. You did this and you did that, and you're such a bad person. Um, but what I'm saying is that, you know, if you think someone has hurt you, Or if someone tells you you've hurt them, then give them the benefit of the doubt too.
0: All right. Now, the next thing the data says is before you respond, hear it out. Listen intently. Listen empathically um, or with empathy. Uh, How important is that?
1: absolutely vital. I actually read an article today. I put it up on Facebook because I found it really interesting about listening to a person. Lots of people don't really listen. They are trying to form their argument as to how to win the argument themselves. They have one-upmanship. There's various factors. I should have pulled that up if I Yeah, so you can take a look at my Facebook page if you want to see that article because it was really good. But listening with an open mind is... One of the best things that you can do in a relationship, you don't have to convince the other person. You don't have to change them. Hear them out. If you hear them out, then they're going to be more open to you. And so that holds for all relationships, not just intimate relationships. Relationships in general, you give someone the respect of listening to them.
0: Okay, the last thing, I think we're going to have time, and and there's so much more. I mean, we could make a two-hour show out of this easily, but the data says very clearly... It is critically important to be playful. I mean, adult life tends to emphasize productivity and uh, seriousness, but, see, you know, playful people take time to prioritize enjoyment, pleasure, amusement, having fun. You and I play with one another verbally all the time. <laughs> How important is playfulness in one minute or less?
1: Absolutely. It brings that sparkle in. It, it's a whole different kind of bonding to the sexual type of bonding. Um, the playfulness start part of it, yeah, that's the, that's the cherry on the top.
0: Okay. Now, I, I'm going to be a little playful with you right Uh-oh. this minute, okay?
1: Uh-oh.
0: Um, could you put work in your relationship? There are lots of folks that say you can't work with your spouse.
1: You can't work with your spouse. Well, you and I have proved that one wrong. We have certainly worked together. You know, when you and I first met, I was concerned about that very thing, about you know, we we can't work together. Um, no, you absolutely can. Um, it takes respect. It takes uh, it takes understanding. Um, but no, I think if anything, it has enriched our relationship.
0: I agree. I totally agree. I I think when you have a uh, you have the right mindset, the right commitment, uh, the intimacy that's involved in regular communications, um, you, the more time you can spend with a person that that you love, that you've dedicated your life to, that you're raising a family with, uh, the stronger your bond is. It isn't that it weakens, but if you go in with the idea that You know, and I may have had this false notion to begin with. You taught me otherwise. I'm the boss. Well, okay.
1: (laughs) Ah, All right, we're out of time. You can think that, honey. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) Here we go, playing together. (laughs) Well, we've come to the end of another episode of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank you, Ravinder, for sharing in this show. I want to thank all of you out there for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our show, and we'll join us again next week, same time and same place, and do tell your friends. And If there's something you'd like us to cover on the show, send me a note. Let me know. That's the reason we did today's show. So many of you asked for it. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters.